0: All right, welcome to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. With, well, this will be unique for you guys. We don't get to do this very often. But I'm your host Adam Smith with just the tips coaching and normally with me would be our marketing director, one of our other coaches and our all-around superhuman Jen Webor uh, who actually may be Jen Hart now. We attended Jen's wedding over the weekend and she is now a married woman off on her honeymoon so you guys don't get the pleasure of Jen today but you do get the pleasure of a really cool guest that we have had booked for some time to get on the show. Jessica Sheraton. Hello, Jessica. How are you?
1: Hi. Great.
0: Good. Um, so yeah, Jessica and I were able to talk a little bit before we went live. And one of the things that I warned her about, and I will warn all of you about, is that Jen is really our tech guru as well when it comes to the video cast, the podcast, all of the things that make that happen. And while I do get to do it from time to time, I am not the skilled expert that she is. So if you guys see any audio or visual hiccups, know that that is really because Adam is trying to do all the things that Jen would normally be doing, and obviously she's far better at it than I am. But I would say that about my entire team at both the uh, Just the Tips company our coaching company, and as well as at our mortgage brokerage, I will only take credit for hiring people smarter than I am. And that's about as good as it gets. So Jessica, welcome to the show. It really was a surprise to me that you had not been on the show before because we've obviously circumnavigated each other's worlds for a long, long time. We're both natives to Colorado. We've both been doing this for Well, I'm not going to admit to how long I won't. I won't date either of us that way. (laughs) Right. And I think one of the things that I found really interesting and our audience knows that we have a vetting process, that we aren't going to just have random Colorado real estate agents on our show if they haven't been through a bit of vetting to make sure that they do produce, that they are good people, that they would have something to offer our audience, so on and so forth. And here you are. And I think one of the things that really fascinates me the most is that you've pretty much always done this in a far more rural far less populated environment than we are here in Denver, uh, growing up in Rye and working in Pueblo and now in Salida. I mean, these aren't enormous metroplexes by any means. And you've still been able to have a degree of success that a lot of real estate agents who do have a robust population to work with would like to have. So I think that's always been kind of, fascinating to me that you've done so well. And we talked about Kimberly uh, before we went live. She's a real estate and she's been on the show this year as well. She's a real estate agent in Westcliff. And we talked about Westcliff and Silvercliff butting up next to each other for a total population of 1,200 people. Yeah, And Kimberly's been able to do that as well. She's had that level of success. So I think it's really cool that we get to have people on the show that are able to really make such great impacts in people's lives, in their business, in their real estate practice, without having the 4 million people to choose from that we do here in Denver, or 8 million in Manhattan, or whatever the case may be. But give us a little bit of background about Jessica, because I'm guessing growing up in Rye, being a top-tier real estate agent, wasn't really on the, uh, the, the the vision board at that time.
1: No, I, I did want to be president of the United States, though.
0: Oh, that w- I would support that.
1: I don't know. Maybe local or state office someday. Okay. It like the bar is too high. So. <laughs> um,
0: Something like that. It, it is an interesting spot. So how did yeah. you get into real estate?
1: Um, I actually was... I wanted to be a teacher when I was mm. growing up. I had some amazing teachers at Rye High School who I still keep in contact with to this day.
0: No so, surprise.
1: Yeah, shout out to them. They're all, That's there. it's a really small school. I graduated with like 70 some students. But the this teaching faculty was incredible for such a, you know, for such a small school. The, the talent and the leadership that we had there was wonderful. So I really left a, a small town feeling like I could be anything I wanted to be. Like I I could be president if I wanted to do that. But I thought teaching was a great avenue to help other people, you know, feel that way too. And so I went to undergrad back east. It's we say back east, even though it's from here <laughs> in Virginia. And my undergrad was focused on like early childhood education and writing. And then I did a master's degree as well in um, teaching English as a second language. And so I and I did a couple extra certificates of um, teaching, writing, academic writing specifically. And so with
0: the intention of coming back to Colorado,
1: I I didn't I actually wanted to go live overseas and teach overseas before I got married and got tied down with kids and stuff. But I I served a mission for my church in Taiwan um, from 2003 to 2005. So I speak Mandarin Chinese. I don't get to use. Hardly ever.
0: (laughs) I cannot imagine.
1: Yep. And I always wanted to go live back there and teach in China or Taiwan. But that didn't happen. But I got to teach in several different university settings, moving around with my husband doing his undergrad and like the beginning of his career. So I taught in um, Oregon and Utah. And then we finally made it back to Colorado when he was finished (laughs) up with his schooling. And I taught at CSU Pueblo, actually.
0: Oh, cool. Go Rams.
1: Yeah. And yeah. And I love teaching. Like I still feel like I incorporate a lot of that into my real estate.
0: Uh, We talk about that with a lot of our guests. Education is key, both getting and giving. And I would say that in today's environment, the successful agents do that. Yeah. Things change so quickly. You have to be constantly consuming knowledge and you have to be sharing that knowledge.
1: Yep. And you have to be willing to give it up really for for free for a while like you need oh, to be sure. the value add for people even when they're not paying you. So, and teaching feels like that too. Yeah. <laughs> wow,
0: I wish that were less true.
1: Well, I do too. Oh, I yes. whenever I I have, you know, friends that are teachers when I talk to them I'm always like they I just it's it's a hard career to end to be in it for a long time. You give so much every day, but it got to a point in our lives where like my teaching and work schedule I taught a lot of online classes before that was really even a big thing and that became increasingly difficult with our family growing. there just wasn't like time and space to put everything into teaching that I needed to do and even if if I wanted to like do better at it or you know teach more classes it just wasn't really possible and
0: it this is true I know a ton of teachers. And I think if you are looking for a career that will be grossly underpaid and underappreciated, which we all pretty much know, but that you are probably going to work 50 to 100% more than you thought going in, then yes, teaching is absolutely for you.
1: And it also felt limited. Like I, I saw how far I could go in that career and it wasn't far enough. Not just income wise, but like influence wise too.
0: So, so I, how does this spawn into a real estate career?
1: <laughs> I had this uh, mentor who I'd read like a bunch of her books and I got to meet her and I'd, I had like the real estate idea floating around in my head for a while. We had four kids at the time and I, I got to go talk to this lady that I really, her name's Carol Tuttle. She's written a bunch of really interesting books. But one of the things that she said to me, like really made me take the leap and buy my real estate classes. And she just said, you're playing really small. Like you keep playing small and thinking you're going to be satisfied with all these little things. Cause I was, I was teaching, I was raising four kids. I had like a makeup business. I taught fitness classes at the local gym. That, and it was a lot of things, right? Like for a mom of four little kids, all my kids were under the age of like nine at the time. And so she just, looked at me and she's like you you won't be like really satisfied or feel good about what you're spending your time doing until you go really big like you need to like go all in on one big thing and just like do it and and she's like i think you and she threw in at the end like i think you'd make a great realtor and i had had like the idea in my head for probably a year, like maybe I'll get my real estate license. It was more because I was thinking about investing in properties or my husband and I had talked about, you know, doing in real estate investments Common. And after going through the process of buying our first home, which had just barely happened like a year or two before I had this conversation with her. Um, I was like, yeah, that would be super interesting. So I went home, bought the classes and it took me like six months because I was doing it at night since all my kids were little and I was still working like these three other jobs that I thought I wanted to be doing. And then after about six months, I finally um, took the test. I, I remember one day I was like, I studied enough. If I can't pass the test, then I'm not like, it's not meant to be. <laughs> and so I just went and took it and um, it was actually easier. This is sad It was easier than the fitness certification that you have to take to be a certified fitness instructor.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yes, okay. But well, I hear
1: that Colorado is one of the harder states to get licensed in because of all the hours that are required. So. We're not
0: going to discuss where that <laughs> bar is. Okay. Well, that
1: was my experience. Uh, I won't yeah, say more. It's,
0: yeah. uh, <clears throat> Okay. So,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And I wish I could disagree with you, but I think that is kind of telltale as far as why and it's probably skewed now but why the nar stats are that 80 percent fail in the first two years 85 in the first five years and a lot of them don't really understand the job yep. right well, you yep. you can know how to negotiate a contract or how to deal with an inspection or how to uh order your sign i mean there are all kinds of things that go on in real estate That don't mean shit if you don't have buyers and sellers.
1: And they have nothing to do with what you're testing. Oh,
0: absolutely. yeah. (laughs) I think that's true in every professional licensing. Yeah, Yeah, there's no question that what you learn in law school isn't what's on the bar exam. And I, I can certainly attest as to what we learned through a gross amount of Uh, pre-examination education in getting a mortgage license had nothing to do with what was on the exam. And of course, it doesn't have anything to do with what we actually put into practice day to day. It
1: keeps you legal and keeps you from, you know, breaking any laws. That's about it. But yeah, actually running the business is a totally different story.
0: And getting business is a totally different story. So I think that's part of what really has me enthralled about this with you is that You've done different small towns.
1: Yeah. So in Pueblo, we had, you know, right, Colorado City, which I had a connection to already because I grew up there.
0: Well, that's the big town. Yeah. Pueblo. <laughs> Pueblo
1: bi- Pueblo's the biggest city I've ever worked in. Okay. I don't really even like going up to Colorado Springs. So there you have it. It's, um,
0: and you have done this in different locations.
1: Yeah. So well, I, I started in Pueblo. That's huge. Passed my licensing exam. I found out I was pregnant the same week. That was
0: Number five,
1: number five. Yep. So that whole first year I was really pregnant. And then the whole second year I carted around my now five-year-old daughter <laughs> but she and, was like, and
0: their, and their four siblings.
1: Yeah. Yep. It was, it was fun, super busy. And I just kind of told myself, I'm just going to do one thing every day to keep working on this or learning something or like contacting one person. And that oh, literally that's brilliant. all it was sometimes was like, okay, Texting and I often texted and didn't call because there was so much background noise, people probably couldn't even hear me if I did call them, right? Okay. That's just how it was. Good so, tip. Yep. I just did what I could do, like one person a day or one email or whatever. And and if I got to the end of the day and I hadn't done one thing, I just try to do one thing. And so by year three, which they say it takes, you know, about three years to build your business. Like to get it repeat and referral. By year three, I was um, over, you know, a hundred thousand GCI, and regularly having closings every month and a couple closings a month. And Pueblo, the average sale price at that time was only two hundred and fifty thousand. So it wasn't a lot.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's and and you're talking to someone who's in Denver. Yeah. So even still in comparison, it's you know night and day. Um, but I I want to slow down here a second because I'm not sure that you are giving yourself the credit and putting the weight out to our audience. Five kids. At the time, all under the age of 10, I think you said?
1: Yeah, my oldest Uh was 10. She's 15 now. My oldest was 10 at the time.
0: Relatively new to the business. Three years is not a lengthy time in any career, if we're talking about a career. Yeah. It's not a job here, mind you people, an actual career. And not in a heavy populated area. And we start just by wanting to accomplish one thing a day. Let's just get that done today. For you to have reached the level of success that you did in the timeframe that you did with all of the other things going on in the market that you were in, et cetera, et cetera, is really quite a feat.
1: Thanks,
0: I guess. You should be proud of you, no question. But I want for our audience to kind of absorb that for a second because if you can do it with all of that, Anybody can.
1: I really feel that way.
0: It's just a matter of hard work and perseverance and organization and commitment and attitude. And how do you deal with people? I mean, there are just so many things that we all have that we could all bring to the table. And when we do, all of you could have the kind of success that Jessica has. That's really it. Okay. So, what were some of the other one things that we were accomplishing in a day? I mean, obviously, reaching out to people is a big deal. Yeah. Hopefully.
1: You're still doing that? Yep. Okay. Um, And all
0: of you should be.
1: I, I honestly think a big breakthrough for me was admitting to myself that I wanted success. So that probably sounds really silly, but being like a year, you know, my first year I had like seven or eight deals. My second year I had 16. My third year I had like 25. But saying to myself that I wanted to... I know that maybe sounds like, like mind mumbo jumbo, but <laughs> being being okay with you know I want to do this really big. I don't just want to like half asset. Make- yeah, we're finish. not gonna half asset. Yeah, I wanted to like make sure that I was doing it the best I could, like giving people an excellent experience. And I freely admit I'm a people pleaser. Like I want people to be happy, and I will bend over backwards to try to make that happen. Um, Like I have some deals going on right now that are, I'm just like heart sick because things are so hard for people right now. And it, it like affects my sleep. I try not, I don't internalize it as badly as I used to, but I still just like, I want people to be happy and be taken care of. And so I think that being at the heart of it, but then admitting to myself that besides that I wanted to do it really big. Like I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted them to call me first and I had to start being okay with that in order to introduce myself that way. Mm. Just be like, I'm Jessica. I'm a realtor. Like use like pick me. Why would you not pick me over, you know, your 25 other choices that you have in the same area?
0: Including your aunt Betty who just got her license last week.
1: <laughs> yes. My aunt actually is my realtor inspiration. My aunt Colleen and she's That's in so she's in Delaware, but she did a, 30-year amazing real estate career in Utah.
0: In so, Utah. Wow. Yeah, she was okay. one of my
1: big... Yeah, she was... An, I should have told, said that too. She's one of the big reasons where I was like, I can do this because she told me I could.
0: So. And how new are you to where you are now in Salida? For two
1: years. I moved okay. to Salida in um, the early spring of 2021. So I guess two, like two and a half years.
0: Two and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Just right after COVID kind of... I don't know. COVID was sort of winding down when we moved here,
0: so. and the success has followed you. Yeah, to another small town. In fact, that one's considerably smaller than Pueblo.
1: Seven thousand people. Well, I think it's like six thousand something-ish. But yeah, it's it's small.
0: Yeah, that's that's small. It's not rice small, but it's small.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We oh.
1: we luckily work a lot of the surrounding area too, as we talked about. You know, like. Cotopaxi, Coldale, Westcliff, Howard, Nathrop. I, I I do deals in BV and um, I don't really go over the valley that much. I have great people that I refer things down to in Sawatch County, but, but we travel far.
0: A lot. Yeah, I love that. What your definition of the surrounding area versus, say, someone in, well, a major metropolitan area. Yeah, if, if someone in Denver has to drive to, say, Thornton.
1: Yeah, it's far. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: that's the surrounding area. You're talking a hundred miles in any direction is your yeah. surrounding area, which is also really, really cool because obviously the different climate, the different topography, the different cultures, so on and so forth, really kind of shape how we define those things.
1: Yeah, and this area is, there's so many like beautiful homes. There's a lot of second homes. And so that's, re- I really like, Enjoyed working on that. Um, although that's like a sensitive topic around here. But I've also loved just the, the different little communities. They all have their special things and it's fun to explore. I, I love wearing like boots to showings because you're always walking through like on Saturday, I had a two mile hike to get in and out of a showing. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a road um, that's up to there's a cabin up there, up near, like on the way to Boss Lake for sale. And it's it's faster almost to hike it than it is to drive it because the road's so rough.
0: Wow. That's interesting. I talked to a client this morning who purchased a second home in the Rockies that way, accessible in the winter only by snowmobile.
1: Yep. That's this one too.
0: So, yeah. In fact, they rarely go in the summer because they have to see people. <laughs> in the winter, they, they get there by snow machine and they never see another soul.
1: Yeah, it's fun. There's so many neat things about the area. I love it.
0: Okay, so in the interest of our audience kind of catching how relocating isn't all that big a deal and being in a smaller community really isn't all that big a deal, what were some of the things that were on the task list to absolutely knock out when you got to Salida?
1: Yeah, so I know everyone hates Zillow and I I don't love them either, but I actually did pay for six months of Zillow um, right when I moved here and it's really expensive here because the, um, price point is so high, but I did that as an investment to get on the map. And I, I knew that that's what I was doing. So I was just like, I hit it really hard for six months and it was, it was hard. Like I was exhausted every day because we had like moved five kids. We were remodeling a house and trying to like start my business over basically, but I was willing to do that because I knew that I needed to show up on the map here and do deals here so that I would be known. And then as soon as that contract was up, I canceled with them, but I had like 10 or 12 deals by then. And the follow up obviously is really important. So I'm still working with clients that I got from Zillow phone calls, but they don't belong to Zillow anymore. They belong to me now. Right. And of course it it was just, it was just a way to make sure that it happened really quickly. And I needed that jump start because I didn't want to join a team. I had been on a team for like six months, you know, in Pueblo, so I kind of had had that experience. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be. Um, I wanted other agents here to know who I was, like to have a reason to call them and work with them. It, it's a really tight knit community with um, realtors that have known each other for a long time, all working together, and they are excellent realtors. It's like some of the best I've worked with anywhere like lots of really top notch realtors. And so the standard here is is high I would say. Like you you've got to you've got to be there too.
0: <laughs> that's interesting. I'll bet that's true uh in smaller areas versus the major metropolitan ones as well. That's that's really interesting because you do have to be really really good at what you do. Both in your lead gen and in your actual work product yep. in order to succeed where everybody knows you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because if you mess up, it's not like I mean, everybody knows like everybody knows Yeah, it's it's just too small to not have. And But if you do well, everybody knows, too. And here, client events and like dropping things off are even more powerful. I feel like in a small area because I have a client event and the 10 to 15 families that show up, they all know each other from school, too.
0: Sure. Well, the whole town, if you take 10 or 15 families, that small group knows everybody in town.
1: Exactly. There's
0: only a degree of separation that way. Yep. And so they're all
1: visiting. They know that they all used me. I know all of them. We like sit and hang out. It's powerful to have that reciprocity with the people you've already worked with, people that are thinking about working with you, that see that people they know have already worked with you and they give you a good recommendation but it is, that's a little stressful sometimes, just always, you know, trying to be on your game 200% of the time.
0: <laughs> Everybody knows you. Yeah. You, you really don't have a choice.
1: Yeah, exactly. It is
0: much, much harder to be in a people business and be relatively anonymous when we're talking about Rye, yeah. Salida, Westcliffe, uh, so on and so forth. Really difficult there, I assure you you. Uh, Very interesting stuff. So this is really cool. Um, And you had said something earlier that I think is really relevant and I want our audience to kind of pick up on as well is increasing your business by that kind of volume, that percentage year over year over year should be relatively natural. You should continue to do everything that you do, the things that you're good at, your lead gen work, your prospecting, however you guys want to define it, And of course, if you're doing it well and you're at that 200 percent, your work product is really stellar, then getting a client to refer you a client, just one in the subsequent year, really shouldn't be all that big of a challenge, no matter the size of your market. So if you do what you do to attract new business... And you do your work the way that you do, so that your repeat and referral business is consistent and constant. Then increasing your business by those numbers, even a hundred percent year over year, really shouldn't be that hard. Jessica, eventually you're gonna run out of people. There's only so many houses down there.
1: I choose to believe two things. <laughs> One that I'll gain more of the market share. Always. Um, and, and that's, that's been interesting to see happen already, but I just like, I, and I also think our area is really growing. So I, I feel like this is one of those spots in Colorado that was largely undiscovered and a lot of the locals hate that it now is, you know, more Uh well-known. There's just, there's a lot of people are coming to the area and I, I did something else too, I guess I failed to mention. I have an excellent buyer's agent in Pueblo County now. So I didn't give up that share, that market share there either. So we do all the same things I was doing. I worked with her the last year and a half and she's doing an excellent job taking care of Pueblo County and then partway into Fremont County. And then I cover the other, you know, here and then the other half of Fremont County, Custer County. So I didn't want to just throw away everything I'd worked hard to build for three years and, So I I don't want to expand too much larger geographically. I
0: can't blame you. You're covering a large area.
1: But having the right people in place. And, you know, that's why I have a team now. And you said that at the beginning of the podcast. Like I was just nodding my head. Like, yes, hired people that I think are, you know, better than me and smarter than me at lots of things. So I have an amazing um, group of people that we work together. And not all all of them are, are agents. You know, a couple of them are behind the scenes.
0: Sure. Support staff, operations. Yep. yep.
1: And I could not be in the car driving all those places if I had to be in front of my computer all the time doing all the, all the other stuff. And it also helps us not just be repeat and referral with clients, but we are rinse and repeat with our systems. So we have, you know, we have a newsletter that goes out every quarter Well, we just like, we repeat that every quarter and the support staff, like, They know, they know what goes in it. And, you know, we talk about it. We meet every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're pretty brief meetings, but we just go through our calendar and it's the same client events because people come to expect those things and then they, they show up and it's really fun. Like it's a fun way to reconnect with people every couple months. We do like a coloring contest every fall and every spring. And that's been the fun thing about finally being in where I am now more than a year. So, like, we're going into year three of Uh, repeat events. Yeah, and it's great to be finally like, okay, we've done this two times. Now we're on time number three. Like, let it's when you systematize it and make it happen. It's so much less work.
0: Oh, very true. (laughs) So
1: much less stress. Yeah, and and so those things are happening, and then we can add other things. Like, I just started doing- Have you heard of American Dream TV? Of course. Yeah, so I just started hosting that um, this past month. So that's like the latest add-in, but it's fun because I finally feel like we're in a place where we can start adding other things in because we have good systems in place for taking care of the people that we've helped in the past, the people that we're helping right now, and then reaching out for new growth and new business with marketing.
0: I think that's an important piece that, I don't know if it's just that we're too close to problems and projects that we kind of lose sight of it, but... For all of you listening, yes, um, or watching or listening, the more that you can develop systemization and automation in things that you've tried and tested that are going to work for you, the more time you're going to free up to add another piece to that puzzle, to bring in another event, another lead gen tactic, another prospecting tool, whatever the case may be. You really don't need more than a couple of few at any given time get really good at them, get constant, get consistent, systemize and automate as much as you can, then add another and then another and so on and so forth. So yeah, you absolutely hit the nail on the head with that kind of stuff. This is a lot of fun when I get to have somebody on the show that knows all the shit that we have been talking <laughs> about. For Where are we here? We're near the end of six years of our podcast. We've probably got more than a dozen of our weekly uh, video blog Um, it's it, and when we get to have a different voice, a different perspective, a different person in a different environment, share the same kinds of things in a different, slightly different language, then yeah, it just makes such a big impact for us and for our audience. So, thank you, Jessica, for doing that. And here, you didn't think you were going to be a spectacular podcast guest, you lie.
1: First time for everything.
0: No, you did great. Um, and in fact, I know that this is very difficult to carve out this kind of time on a Monday morning. So thank you for that. Okay. And if you don't have any objections, I'd love to have you back on the show.
1: Sure. All right. We'll so I will
0: I will coordinate that with Jen. Again, she is off on her honeymoon. So uh, she'll get back to that. And in the interest of, again, kind of doing Jen's job here with our wrap-up type of stuff uh, she would certainly recommend that all of you watching or listening use our text code uh, if you're watching you can see that at the bottom of the screen if you're listening text tips tips to 63566 that'll ping you back all kinds of stuff about us our events our video blog, our written blog. Uh, you can get a copy of my book, Just the Tips, through that link. And do keep an eye out for uh, a sales mindset book that I will have coming out, uh, co-authored with some other wonderful individuals before the end of the year. And there are probably all kinds of other things that will ping you back there. Otherwise, you can catch episodes of How I Met Your Mortgage live if you're so inclined on Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time. And obviously, you can get past episodes on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts. And this one will be available to all of you later in the week as well. And to you as well, Jessica, we'll make sure you have all of this content. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for putting up with my Uh, inability to really do Jed's job at the top of her game. Um, So yeah, you guys don't go anywhere, Jessica. I'm going to run our extra. And for the rest of you, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.